don't know if you just heard Quentin and he said, we're all done. We're all done. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Lord, we, we, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that, that you would call us into relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that, that you would presence yourself, Lord, as we open our hearts to you. And Lord, your, your great delight is the, is the praise and worship of your people. And Lord, we just, we just want to come into that, that closeness of relationship, Lord, that we can just open our hearts fully to you. Lord, that you can fill every part of our being with yourself. And Lord, that's your desire. Lord, that your church would be full <laughs> of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Oh. Praise God. Well, I have a, a, a an offering message this morning. That um, I'm just looking at my notes here that I've, I've had for um, seven weeks. <laughs> Do you know sometimes the Lord will give you something and it's not for then. It's for when he wants to bring it out. And yeah, that, that goes across the board with, you know, sometimes God will speak to us and he'll, he'll give us a a prophetic word and we think oh I've got it what am I going to do with it? I've got to give it but maybe it's yeah it, it's it's twofold it's God gives but it's got to be in his timing so yeah that's just that one's just for free um now this uh this offering message I, I've I've got a little title for it. It's, it's Give God Evidence. Give God Evidence. And third, uh, third John uh, verse 2, it just says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So God's desire is for his people, for his people, is prosperity and health. Now we know prosperity doesn't doesn't only talk about about finances. That's very limited. It's across the board. It's uh, it's all things. But prosperity and health are God's design plan for His people, just as it is in heaven on earth. And God lacks nothing <laughs> in uh, in heaven. So these are refer referring themes through Scripture. They come across again and again and again and again. I want to read um, a verse out of, out of Proverbs. And I was just thinking about it. It's probably the, 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 the verses that I refer to most out of any Scriptures. Um, and I think it's because they were some of the Scriptures that 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 God impressed upon my heart that got me walking with him again. 
I think I was about 22. I asked the Lord to come into my heart at 11. A lot of stuff happened. And at 22, he got me back to where I should have been. And uh, these verses, I think, were pivotal. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's a promise. That's a promise. So when we trust in the Lord, we get direction. Verse 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. That's a promise. Fear the Lord. Now, that's holding him in his right place. It's a reverence for who God is. So the fear of the Lord, the result is health and strength. Does anyone not want health and strength? I see no hands. Great. Verse 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. As we honour the Lord with what he has given us, the promise is plenty and overflow. They're good promises. They are good promises. But you might say, well, well, look, we, we look around the, in the world and we often say, well, well the, the, the wicked have got all the riches. You know, if you, if you, if you go down that track and look, look into it, you know, the 13 families and the big corporations, and the, they've got all the stuff. You know, we can see it. Oh, well, God has an answer to that. He has an answer to that. I just want to read a couple of scriptures. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 26. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and, <laughs> of gathering and collecting that he may give it to him who is good before God. That's God's word. That's what God says. In Job chapter 27 and verse 16 and 17, this is what um, God says regarding the wicked. Though he heaps up silver like dust. Silver's a good thing. Though he heaps up silver like dust and piles up clothing like clay, he may pile it up, but the just will wear it and the innocent will divide the silver. That's a promise from God. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22. The wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. If your heart is for God, if you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and live in your heart, you are good, you are righteous. Because the good one and the righteous one lives in you. So that's what God says. 
And throughout scripture, we see that there have been transferences of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. You know, you, you think about the, um, the Exodus, where it says that the, um, if you're looking at the King James Version, it's the, 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 the Israelites spoiled the um, Egyptians. Or the New King James, it says they plundered the Egyptians. Now, those words spoiled and plundered, it, it, if you look at the definition, it's, it's sort of, it's a violent, uh, you know, take. That's not what happened there. God gave the Israelites favour and they just, the, the, it was just given. It was just transferred. That wealth was transferred. And, and you think, well, well, that was out of the box. Why did that happen? Well, God was in it and that's what he, he purposed and, and, uh, and caused to happen. And, you know, there are many other instances through Scripture where that happens. So is there any qualification? Is there any qualification of, of well, yes, God, you said that, that all these things would come to those who are righteous before you, those who are good before God. So is there a qualification? And I say, yeah, there is. And that is if God can trust you with the little, he will trust you with much. It's principle. If he can trust you with the little, he can trust you with much. You know, the, Jesus told parables um, towards the end of his ministry in, in, and they're found in, in Matthew um, chapter 25. And I'm not going to read the parable, um, but those parables are end time parables. They refer to the time of the end. They refer to the time close to when Jesus is returning. And you know we don't put a we don't put a date we don't put a time scale on there because the timing is in his hands, but we know the the seasons we can see what's happening in the in the world. So this parable refers to that time and that time is this time. So it was the parable of the of the talents, and I, and I think most people in the room would would be well aware of it. But just to to quickly paraphrase it the. That Jesus said that the master of the house, he was going on a long journey. And we know that Jesus was here and now he's seated in heaven. But when the master of the house left, he gave gifts to, or he gave, it's, it's actually um, amounts of money, to his servants. To one he gave five, to one two, and to one one. And after, the parable says, after a long time, the master of that house returned and there was a reckoning of what had been done with what was, was given. And the one who had the five talents produced five more. The one who had two ended up with four. He doubled it. So there was a 100% increase for those two servants. Now, it doesn't matter the, the, the size of the of what they were given for a start, there was a 100% increase. And that's the important part. And along with that, when the master returned, he said, well done. Well done. And there was not only that 100% increase, 
the message was, because what you have done, um, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. You've been ruler over a small amount. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. And to one um, servant, he gave one talent. And we know from the parable that that servant went and took his master's money, dug a hole in the ground, buried it, and when the master returned, he dug it up and gave it back. He said, here's what's yours. And that's not God's plan. That's not God's purpose. God's purpose is that we sow and we reap, not that we put it in the ground. And, and, and when you think about it, I, uh, I was thinking about this in re- regard to what, what could, that, could that mean? And, and each and every one of us, we're, we're, we're taken from the ground, aren't we? <laughs> we? That's what we return to, the Bible says. So that money that he had been re, re, uh, given, he had buried it in the ground, or you could liken it, he had used it solely for himself. That was his focus, nothing more. So that money was buried in the ground and there was, no, there was nothing to show. There was no increase and God is a God of increase. I want to read a, a, um, uh, from Luke chapter 16. This was another parable and it was the un- parable of the unjust steward. But I just want to um, read these verses towards the end of the parable because it's relative to, to this one also. Jesus said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, you, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, to your trust, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So, you know, we've been singing songs this morning, you know, I give it all. <laughs> and, and, and that's, you know, that's great sentiment. But what does all mean? Does it mean all? Does it mean everything that we are? Does it mean everything that God has given us? I think it does. I think all is all encompassing. And... You know, it's as we are led by him, and that's the important element of it, as we are led by him in what we do, we will do what is pleasing in his sight. With what we give, with who we help, all those elements, all those things in our life, all the opportunities that we have. So as we're faithful in what God has given us, he will cause the increase. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God. I kept that short, Jeffrey. If we are faithful in what he has given us.
sometimes you don't know the extent of what he's given you until you start giving. Giving is the key to increase. Not only finances, but when you to give out of what God's given you, then God begins to increase. God's looking for us to trust in him, use the little he's given, exercise our faith in what has been given, and then watch him begin to multiply. He loves to multiply when he sees the action of faith. When there's an action of faith, then the multiplication comes. You see that in the miracles of Jesus, but you also see it in the expression of gifts that are given to people by the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to exercise your faith and operate in that which is given, then he begins to increase. Hallelujah. I said last week that I was planning on uh, teaching a little on the the fivefold, the fivefold ministry, the fivefold gift of the church. And I've been storing this up, I guess, uh, for several years. I've had it on my heart for quite a while. When my father came to Bendigo and started this church, his desire was always to have a multiple of eldership in the church. That's another way of looking at it but it's more than a multiple eldership because you can have a group of elders but not necessarily have fivefold ministry in that group. Now, in the scriptures, we have the plan of God. We have the the desire of God for his church, which is the best. Now, sometimes we don't start out with the fullness, do we? When do we ever start out with the fullness? So we start out with the little, we start out with what we have and we trust God to add. Now, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And faith for hearing comes from the word of God. So we start out with what we have and we trust God to add. There are many, 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 many churches all over the world that start out with the little that they have which may be a small portion 
trusting that God is going to add as they're faithful in that which God has given. So we have the, the ultimate plan of God in the Scriptures. It's like the church starts out and God begins to add to the church. And then we begin to start preaching and teaching on certain areas and faith for that develops. Now, we can't wait until we have everything operating in us personally before we start declaring what the Word of God is. You don't wait until you have divine help to start preaching on healing. Okay? So not everyone that's preaching the perfect Word of God has it perfectly operating in their own heart. But we're trusting God. We're seeing the plan that God has. We see the picture that God has. So we start declaring the plan. We start speaking the plan. We start declaring what God is saying. He wants to bring us into. Faith develops as we hear the word and then we begin to grow in faith and we grow in our ability to then trust him that he'll add to what he's given us, add to the church. And there are many, many gifts that have been given to the church. We could sometimes say, well, we're just a small church and we only have a few people, and I guess there are many, many churches that say this, so we'll just be content with the little we have and try to um, do the best we can with what we've got until Jesus comes back and we go to heaven. Well, with that sort of mindset, there's not going to be a lot of increase, there's not going to be a lot of expectation, there's just going to be the hold-on mentality till Jesus comes back. I don't have the just hold on till Jesus come back mentality. I believe what the word is saying and my heart is expecting to see the fullness of what the word is saying. That's why I've not made plans to go to heaven yet because I want to see what God's promised me here on the earth. I want to wait and see the fullness of the promises he's given me. Now, as I said, I've had these Thoughts around the fivefold. In my computer for five years now, I've decided it's time to bring it out because God is going to begin to release something into the house. There is change coming. I've been telling you for all this year, there have been many, many things that we have spoken that God is bringing change. God is bringing an empowerment into the church. God is releasing more into the church. God is adding to the church. We are living in the greatest time on this earth. There has never been a time to compare with what God is about to release in the earth. We need to be ready for it. So I'm preaching on it, I'm teaching on it, so we prepare our hearts so it's no great shock when we begin to see things happening because we're prepared for it. We know how to start receiving what God's doing. So, having said that, if you'd like to turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, I'm not sure how far I will actually get into this today because, um, 
as you might be aware, when I start preaching, the Holy Spirit starts to bring out other things that are relevant. So we don't try to push it all out at once. We just go with the flow of the Holy Spirit and we allow him to produce in our hearts that which is pleasing unto him, that which is going to produce the growth, that which is going to produce the hunger for more so we can establish his church, establish the, the, the fullness of his son in the church. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll start at verse 7, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I also like it in the um, New King James Version, but I think the Passion sort of covers it enough, so we might flip back there later at some time. But verse 7, it's speaking about the grace gifts of Christ. And he has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. According to the size of the gift. This is why he says, he ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him. Many translations say he led Captivity captive. He led captivity captive. He captured captivity. When he went to the cross and said, It is finished, the enemy thought, It's finished. He misinterpreted what it is finished means. It meant it is finished for you, devil. I'm stripping everything you have. The sacrifice I'm making is empowering God's people to be armed with everything they need for the battle that the enemy is going to try to rage against God's people in deception, trying to keep them believing a lie. His propaganda, his method is to deceive. When Jesus said it is finished, went into the ground, when he rose, it says he led captivity captive. In other words, everything that could captivate humanity, Jesus captured. Stripping the enemy of everything he had that he could use against humanity. Stripping him. All his weapons, all his authority, all his power. You might think, well, now I know the devil's got power. Only what you give him. As he would try to deceive God's people, 
by getting them to think he has still got authority and power. If you give him that credit, if you allow those thoughts to become your thoughts, that's when you empower the enemy, give him no power, give no attention to the thoughts that he has. Remember I said to you, might have been last week, our thoughts are critical to our walk with God. And any thought that does not inspire hope is rooted in a lie. Any thought that's not inspiring hope in the Word of God, in what God has said, its source is coming from the enemy. So we want to make sure what we allow our mind to meditate on. When we meditate on the Word of God, we are thinking about empowering thoughts. We are thinking in line with the Word of God. We are thinking the truth. And the truth will always defeat any lie that comes against you. So he led captivity, or he led the not only those who were bound in a lifestyle that the enemy had brought them into through deception, Jesus set us free from all the prisons. He opened the prisons and let us free. But not only that, it's like he took all the prison guards as well. He got rid of those who were holding the keys to the prison. Not only, you know, you've heard that, I better not go into it. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but when it talks about the keys of the kingdom, sometimes you've got to think, well, Jesus stripped the enemy of the keys that were keeping us in bondage. You know, the jailer's got the keys. That's the authority, that's the power he's got. But when he's got no keys left and the doors are open, fancy being in a jail cell when the door is unlocked. That's the deception. Jesus unlocked all the doors, but so many people are still inside thinking, I'm not free. Not recognizing how much the enemy was stripped of everything he had. He led captivity captive, taking the captured ones with him. That's the principalities of darkness. He led them captivity, stripping them of their weapons, and gifts were given to men. He ascended means that he returned to heaven after he had first descended from the heights of heaven, even descending as far as the lowest parts of the earth. The same one who descended into the, is the one who ascended above the heights of heaven in order to begin, here it is, in order to begin the restoration and fulfillment of all things. Just one little note I want to read to you in Colossians. When it's speaking about the captivity of the 
the uh, captured ones in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. He led captivity captive. The Phillips translation says, he has, by doing this, he has drawn the sting. The sting of death. To draw the sting takes all the fear out of it. Why are people afraid of bees? Would you be afraid of a bee if it had no sting? That's the comparison. The enemy's sting has been taken away. Recognize that. Jesus has drawn the sting. The authority, the power the enemy had is no longer. The only way he can have any influence over you is to impress you with his thoughts. Give the devil no place. Resist the devil and he will flee. In other words, stand your ground. The only fight you have is the fight of faith. When the enemy tries to seduce, the enemy tries to persuade, stand on the word. No, that's not the word of God. I resist that in the name of Jesus. That's it. You don't fight him. You know the place of authority you have and you stand in that and you regard him as a bee with no sting. Got it? Good. Now we get to the good part. And in verse, we better get back to Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he has appointed some. These are the gifts that were given. And by the way, these gifts are the men and women who have been given to the church. He has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors. They need extra grace. And some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. I thought the preacher was supposed to do it all. The calling of the fivefold is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry and as they do this they will enlarge 
and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness into the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one into a perfect man. Now, where it speaks there about the perfect man and the fivefold ministry, the footnote I have says, and the word here implies that perfection cannot come to the body of Christ without the example and teaching of these five ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. How important is it for the fivefold to be operating in the church? Finally, become a perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed into the abundance of Christ. And then our immaturity will end. Wow. That's why it's so important that we understand the ministry that God is raising up in the earth in this end time move of the Spirit of God where we're going to see the fullness of the dimensions of the gifts of the grace of God in their fullness and they're going to cause the church to grow up into maturity so that there'll be no more No more what? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're all thinking about the things now, aren't you? All the things that are going to get sorted out through the gifts of Christ, which are the fivefold ministry to the church. And every gift is essential. And no one gift is any greater than the other. Please understand that. Till we all come to the maturity or the fullness or the experiential knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. I've heard it so many times that people say, we're not going to reach perfection until we get to heaven. Well, if we stick around long enough and we are attracted to the true church of God, we will experience the oneness and the perfections of Christ because he is coming back for his bride and she will be equal to him. She will be the perfection of all beauty in the earth. She will be the bride of Christ who will be just like Jesus because the scripture says, do not be unequally yoked. And we're not going to have an unequal yoking of Christ and the church. It's going to be one in purpose, thought, action. It's going to be absolutely glorious on the earth 
We're going to see it if we stick around long enough and remain in the place where God is raising up the five-fold ministry. Now, the five-fold ministry cannot be added to an existing system. It requires a new wineskin. There has to be a paradigm shift in the church if the church is going to come into the expression of the fullness of Christ. God is raising up his ministries who are going to function in perfect unity one with another and see the bride of Christ develop in her fullness in the potential that's going to empower every member of the body of Christ to function in the perfections of the glory of God and you're going to love the part that he's given you because that's the part that's graced. You do not want to be doing something you are not graced for. It's only the grace of God that enables us to come into the kingdom and it's only the grace of God that keeps us there. So, having said that, we need to be prepared to surrender everything to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. There are Christian players all over the place, playing games. But we want to be part of the real deal. We want to be part of what God is producing in the earth and she is glorious. She is absolutely full of the miraculous. She's full of the love of God. She's full of the grace of God. She's full of health. She's got divine health. She's got everything operating. She's going to be supernaturally empowered to walk in the abundant supply of God from the realms of the dimension of God that we only have just begun to hear a little bit about. Hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I was in worship and the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly. And he said to me, the next move of God or the next, the next direction or the next um, experiential knowledge for the church. Now, how many churches are going to experience it? I don't know. But I know it's going to be operational in this house. Good morning. Looking for somebody? 
okay? The next move of God. You thought I was distracted for a moment. Nah. <laughs> the next move of God. God said to me, moving the humble into their prepared position. God has a place prepared for the humble. And he's going to move them into that place where they operate in humility of spirit that brings the glory of God all around them, that has a manifestation of the presence of God because they're operating in the gift of humility. It's the grace of God enabling us to do what we're doing. The verse I, I read was um, Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who was high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who was of contrite heart and a lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. A contrite heart is a broken heart before God. deeply affected with grief and sorrow for having offended God. I think we've all done things at times that aren't really the, the best. <laughs> we, we, we're learning. We're getting, it, we're getting it right the next time. And if we don't get it right the next time, well, I get another opportunity. We don't get promoted until we get the, the tick. You've passed that test, we can move on. There are too many Christians stuck in grade one. We need to move on. We've got to pass the test, though. So the interesting thing that, that sort of was impressed upon me, um, to be humble, what's it mean? It means to be gentle, respectful, submissive, obliging, and kind. Gentleness, you know? Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. He wants us to be yoked with gentleness, not striving. See, when you're yoked, you realize that you're with him and you don't have to be worrying about anything because he'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll take you with him, he'll look after everything. Just stay yoked. Let him do it. And I, I had this... Um, uh, I don't know what you call it. I guess it was an impression that um, supposing, supposing in this, this move of God, this, this empowering of the church, this giving of grace gifts, this lining up for what God's got for me because, you know, I've been waiting a long time. What if God said to you, that you are very, very important to my plan. You are so important in the plan I have. How would you feel? What would you think? You are so important in what I want you to be doing. Would you think, well, finally, the red carpet treatment. <laughs> finally. At last, I'm going to be acknowledged. 
You know, you, you, are, you, are, you are so important. Every part of the body functions, that's not good for it, functions in its gifting, in its grace. And every part is important to the functioning of the body. So, you understand that, okay, Lord, I recognize this is an important position that you have me to be operating in. And I know as I keep my heart right before you, you'll develop that. But, Lord, I really think that it's time I was promoted. Like, you know... I might have started out as a toe, but I know I'm meant to be the eye. Is that the mentality that we have? I'm starting out lowly, but I know that I'm really meant to be the eye. Is that the way the body functions? I mean, if you saw a toe... There's something wrong, isn't there? It just it doesn't matter how much grace it's got on it. <laughs> so it's a matter of knowing in our heart that God has prepared us for something that is very, very important to Him. And so we say, yes, this job is so important. What I want you to do, I want you to be the one who rolls out the red carpet for people when they come into the house. I want you to make them feel really special. I want you to make them feel so welcome in the house. I want you to do everything you possibly can for them to be able to experience the presence of God. That is what is important to God. Are we prepared to allow Him to use us in the position that is prepared for us. Without this attitude of, okay, Lord, I don't mind doing it for a little while as long as I get the promotion I'm expecting. See, there's so many things that the enemy is trying to mess the church up with. Screwed up thinking. So we have to be prepared to recognize there has to be a new wineskin a new way of thinking, a new paradigm shift completely because the church has been getting it in half-truths, proportionate, little bits here and little bits there and we see this church operating like this so, well, that must be how we do it. Well, that church is absolutely full to capacity. They must have the answer. That's how we'll do it. What's our heart longing for? See, unless we know that we know we are totally secure in our identity in Jesus Christ, we will never, ever find satisfaction in anything else. Totally secure in who I am in Him. A son or a daughter, not son and daughter, not son, daughter, son, you know what's going on in the world at the moment, no mixture of the world in our church, purity 
of motive and everything we are doing, knowing our identity, who Christ has made us, and allowing him to put us in the position that's going to glorify him. There is nothing to compare with the... I don't think I'm going to get anywhere close to that this morning, Caleb, but we're working on it. There is nothing to compare with the, 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 the experiential knowledge of the glory of God. Do you know where I feel it most? When I'm flat on the ground. <laughs> just in his presence, said, Lord, I just long for your presence. That is so fulfilling. So satisfying. Boy. So at least we know there's apostles, prophets, prophets, <laughs> pastors, and teachers. We didn't get fouled. I'll just give you another couple of thoughts. I was reading in the uh, Vines Bible Dictionary and it speaks about the Christian churches and it says the elders. Now, here we have, well, I'll, I'll read it. The elders were those who being raised up and qualified by the work of the Holy Spirit were appointed to have the spiritual care of and to exercise over sight over the churches. So their oversight, their, their exercise, exercising. They're very fit people. They're exercising their authority in the church that's given by God. And it says that the divine arrangement, this is the, the, the plan seen through the New Testament, was for a plurality of these to be appointed in each church. It was never, ever the plan of God to have one man or one woman running the church, doing everything. Never the plan of God. Now, it has been necessary quite often because sometimes God can only find one man or one woman. And so they've had to be the taxi driver and everything else that goes with it. Many, many times when um, a ministry is called by God and they're called to go and start a church, they have to start it by themselves. It's not the divine plan, but it works. But for that to work and grow into its fullness, it needs to be added to by the divine intervention of the Holy Spirit through a ministry who's willing to allow the Holy Spirit to build his church. As I said, when my father came to Bendigo, he had no help from anybody. He came. He had a very good job in Melbourne. We had a brick veneer house. We're all ready to go. Sold that, bought a weatherboard house here in Bendigo and lived off the money that he had in the bank from the 
sale of the house in Melbourne. While he waited on God, while he trusted God, while he worked in children's programs to raise up something in the house because he had a vision from God. That was back in 61. It's been a long time coming. But the thing that he desired to see was a a multiple of eldership, a multiple of, of men and women that were operating in the Spirit, in the flow of the Spirit, hearing from the voice of God and flowing together in their ministry in the house of God. But the problem with it, the devil doesn't want that operating in the house. And just as it happened with the disciples, you get this spirit of, well, who is the greatest? Well, we really know that, you know, you're pretty good, but, you know, how many miracles did you have last week? Oh, yeah, but, but I, I, you know, this attitude of, well, yeah, but, you know, I, I've got, let's just, recognize that anything that's been given is a grace gift to function for the edifying of the body to cause each one of us to be encouraged, built up, excited about what God is doing, expecting more from God, knowing that I've got a gift and God's going to furnish that gift in the place that he got prepared for me. I'm actually going to be something in the house of God. What did David say? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's my heart's desire, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days. Even if I'm just a doorkeeper allowing people to come into the house of God, I'm going to make them so welcome. I can remember as a little kid going to a church in Melbourne, there was a man I knew and he was, he was always welcoming. He had this big hand and I had this tiny little hand that it just got... But he was so welcoming. You know, even just to know I was going to see him going into that church made me feel welcome. That is a gift. So there are many, many gifts, and we, te- we see here that, that we've got the plurality of elders operating in the church, but there's something even, even greater in the expression of the perfections of Jesus Christ. That's why he gave the gifts to the church. He gave the gift of the apostle, the gift of the prophet, the gift of the evangelist. You see how it works? It's a gift and it wasn't earned so they can't take any credit for it. It was a gift and they were given as a gift so the church could appreciate the gift, enjoy the gift, get happy about the gift, realize it's just like Christmas coming to church because we've got all these gifts that are being presented to the church and I'm feeling so encouraged in the Word of God because the gift was prepared for me and it's done something that's caused me to walk in the ways of God. I am so thankful to God for the gifts. I pray for the gifts. I thank Him for the gifts. I thank Him because I know God is producing something in me that's going to be able to receive and he who receives a prophet 
in the name of a prophet receives a prophet's reward. I was going to talk a little bit about the elders, but I'll get onto that sometime. Because they're all so essential in the plan that God has preparing the hearts of God's people to step into another dimension. As a little fella, I grew up loving the Trekkie movies. I always wanted something that was out there a little bit more than where the natural seemed a little bit boring to me. I wanted the super. I wanted the extra. I wanted the more. I was never satisfied with plain Jane. I always wanted something more. You know, Lord, we are so hungry for what you're preparing for this house. Lord, we want you to have your way in this house, to breathe that breath of heaven into this house, Lord, into every member of this house to have a fresh understanding of the breath of heaven coming in to cause such a revelation and a hunger for more of God that there'll be such a purifying breath of the Spirit of God that will come into the house that'll prepare the people of the house to receive that which God has prepared. For surely there is an hour that I've come to that I've prepared you for and if you'll understand the ways and the purpose of God and humble your heart before the Almighty, mighty God, there will come an increase, there will come a rejoicing in your heart, a satisfaction in your heart, a knowing that God has planned to be in this house and all things are going to work together for good because I love God, I've given him all my heart, I want to serve him with everything I have, with all my strength, with all my might, Lord we humble ourselves before you, we surrender everything, say Lord have your way, let the breath of your spirit begin to blow in this house and cause a revival like there's never been known before, that this city will rejoice in a God of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to have communion now, so if you'd like to get your elements, there's a couple of things up the back there, one on the communion table near the library. Thanks, Mel. Wow. Do you get the sense that... You're being prepared. Do you get the sense that you're being prepared? I hope you do. We're in a time of preparation. Because it's about to get wild. And those who aren't prepared... (laughs) Ah. That's what it might feel like (laughs) without the preparation. But God is good. God is so good. And he doesn't want us to enter into what he's doing and go, ah. 
Um, I'll just read a, what Dad was speaking about uh, and giving some of his life scriptures. Psalm 91 is one of mine. <laughs> so if you want to, if you want to turn there. One of my faves, Psalm 91. Hmm. It says from verse 1, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler, and you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. That is a verse that I have, uh, as a, a younger man growing up, clung to. A promise of our experience in the Lord that I, I looked at and I saw in the Word and I said, I want that. I want that. <laughs> and as I was, I was pondering about, about this and preparing for communion I got a, a picture of uh, in Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were were thrown into the fire because they didn't do what the the ruler of the time told them that they needed to do. They were thrown into the fire, uh, and you might think, how does that relate to relate to this psalm? The reason that they weren't burnt. The reason that they weren't burnt was because they were with Jesus and they trusted more in him than what they could see. They trusted more in God's hand on their life than what they could see. And the fire was actually the best place they could have been. That was right. That was the best place they could have been. Those that threw them in couldn't handle it. They died. They were burnt. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not because they were with the Lord. And I believe that that's a, that's a picture of what God is, is wanting to do, is starting to do, is preparing us for, is that we are going to step into a time where it's like we are standing in the middle of the fire. It says, in, as we just read in Psalm 91, that... Uh, it, it talks about uh, being protected in the presence of the Lord, being in a place where no darkness can touch us, in a place that uh, it doesn't matter what we see, we will be untouched. <laughs> and that, that is what is, is starting to be prepared in, in us. It's a... It's a a dependence, it's a reliance, it's a trust of the promise that if we spend time in the secret place, 
with the Lord, hearing from Jesus, being built within our in ourselves, being changed from the inside, that we will be in a place, we will be positioned in a place that is like we are in the middle of a fire. It doesn't hurt us, <laughs> but it, it harms everything else that is not of the Lord. It is, it is just a position that we can stand in, <laughs> and we, we're not doing anything but standing with Jesus and holding close to him, but it is a weapon that as we walk, the fire walks with us. Where we go, the fire goes. Um, the, I'll just leave you with, uh, with where, where, how this is all possible. And Jeff's been speaking about it this morning. Romans 8. In verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For, if, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of of God. Who do you believe you are? Who do you know you are? All of this is only possible because Jesus gave us the spirit of adoption, not that we would be adopted, but with that we would be children, that we would be born again, that we would be sons. And it says uh, in verse 17, if we are children, then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So as we walk into our week this week, let's just bring back to our memory what we shared this morning and ask the Lord, how, how are you preparing me? How are you preparing me for what you are going to do? And let's be ready. Let's be expecting to see some fire and not to be not to be scared of it, but to say, Lord, I trust in you more than what I see around me. So let's stand as we remember what Jesus did for us, what he did for us. We will continually for our entire life be unpacking this gift that he gave us. What he did on the cross was was. In one time, it was a one-time event that has ripples and effects throughout eternity. Lord Jesus, Lord, would you lead us into, into all wisdom? Father, would you show us more about what this means to be children and joint heirs with Christ? Lord, show us what is the inheritance that you paid for what the life is that you paid for. Lord Jesus, we just remember that right now. We, we accept it as we eat your body. And Lord, we receive your blood. And Father, we say thank you for the preparation that you're doing in our hearts. Lord, thank you for the preparation that you're doing in this church, 
in this city, in our people. Lord, we say, help us. Help us to receive that with a willing heart. Let's drink. Thank you, thank you, Lord. We love you. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Where would we be without God's grace? Just thank you, Lord. Um, Now, tomorrow is at 9.30. There is playgroup here. Um, from 9.30 to 11.30. Um, on Tuesday night is ladies' meeting and that's at Mel's house. Um, if you don't know, see Mel, she'll give you directions. Um, on Wednesday night is prayer meeting. We had a really good prayer meeting last Wednesday night. So if you're free, come down here at 7.30 on Wednesday night. On Thursday morning, we have praying for the school at... 9 o'clock, um, through to 10 o'clock, and um, we have some powerful prayer meetings then as well. Um, what God brings up for the school and for the children, we're going to have powerful kids. Um, and then Friday morning, we have school breakfast, um, and please be praying for the children here as well. If you don't make it to the prayer meeting on Thursday morning, please be praying for the school always, um, and praying for Mel as well as she has her um, kingdom kids on Friday afternoon and um, we had 35 last time. Um, I'm not sure how many had. Yeah, so um, there's a lot of children. So please be praying for her and the leaders as well. Um, And that's all. And Mel's got something else. Amazing. How good. Um, I, I'm going to tell you a quick story. In the beginning, God created the world. I won't take too long. But he created two sets of people, a set of people that liked chocolate and loved golf and a set of people who um, loved chocolate and just like golf. Anyway, um, a lot of years later... Um, he created Tim and it's actually Tim's birthday today and so it would be remiss of us to not sing him happy birthday. Now I bring the the like chocolate and love golf thing right because when you have people around you that live busy lives and and don't think ahead sometimes there is no golf shops open on a Sunday morning right so you'll just have to like chocolate and you can still love golf So, Ash has got some chocolate somewhere she's going to go grab for you. But can we sing Tim happy birthday? Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Now, I was, I was given a job, a very important job, to um, announce something incredibly special, um, and I missed that in my communion message. Um, 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> um, too focused on one thing. But I, I thought I'd take the opportunity to uh, fill you in as a family that uh, Sammy and I are expecting our third child. So don't, don't mean to be a, a story topper. Um, <laughs> take away. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, with that news, we'll, we'll say thanks so much for coming this morning and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, and if you're hanging around for the parenting session, we've got the last one today. So come on.